Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. If you want to get in touch with the show, email us at IllegalMotionPodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Illegal underscore Motion. Thanks for downloading. The other. Okay. Uh, there's like some tapping going on in the background somewhere. It's not me. Might be my ceiling fan. Yeah. God, I have to turn everything off. Killing me. It's not hot out there in Chicago, is it? Yeah, that's much better. <laughs> All right. How the hell do you hear that and not a ceiling fan? I don't know. I was hearing it, too, and I was wondering if it was me. No, that's perfect. All right, kick us off. All right, let's do it. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Los Angeles, California, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And taking a break from double sessions in Nashville, Tennessee, it's the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, guys? It's been a while. Uh, the last time you heard us, Matt, you were down here in Nashville visiting. And, uh, yes, we are taking a break from double sessions. We actually start school tomorrow, so that's going to be, be kind of interesting. But um, believe it or not, at, at, at an old end of Well, we lost you there, Coach. And, uh, and bought, some, bought some watermelon. So it was uh, – and they were probably the sweetest watermelon I've ever had. So it was, uh, it was definitely a good way to end camp. But I'm, I'm fired up, ready to get into these conference previews. Let's, let's kick off the 2016. All right. Season. All right. Well, the, uh, the third of the three amigos here from the second city, a man who this summer tried desperately to become a parrot head but couldn't quite do it. It's our intrepid blogger, <laughs> Josh Cook. Yeah, I actually have a new uh, football season re- re- resolution. Can't talk. That should be my second resolution, sort of how to pronounce that word. But, no, I realized uh, I've got some good readers for the blog, but I don't really ever plug it here on the podcast. So I should start doing that. It's uh, Big Ten and Counting, WordPress. You just Google Big Ten Counting. We're doing our previews. Uh, there's some good stuff. Check it out. Yes, we will definitely be plugging that all season long. Um, i got to be more shameless. Uh, yeah, the, shameless self-promotion. Nothing wrong with the shameless plug here and there. So today we are starting off uh, with, the, with our first of the 2016 season previews. And we're going to be going conference by conference. But obviously there's no better place to start than the home of the reigning national champions. That is the University of Alabama in the SEC. So we're going to go through each division team by team. Worst to first, we, uh, we each put together, um, you know, uh, power rankings for the divisions, and then I put them all together as an aggregate, and uh, we'll see who comes out on top, and then do a little uh, conference award predictions at the end of the pod. But we're going to start in the East, and uh, almost unanimous pick to finish dead last in the East are the Gamecocks of South Carolina under new head coach Will Muschamp. So um, I guess I will kick it off to our SEC expert coach here first. Um, what what do you expect uh, from the Gamecocks this year? Well, I expect a lot of struggling this year. Uh, it's going to be – they don't have a quarterback. You know, they, they don't have a quarterback. They obviously 
you know, Spurrier left them in, in, a, in a bad spot. I mean, they finished 11th in the SEC last year. Um, they lost they lost their best offensive player, Pharaoh Cooper. He's now with the Los Angeles Rams, which is kind of odd to say. Um, they have a new offensive coordinator, which is, I guess, a plus, Kurt Roper. Um, he was with Muschamp at Florida, so you're kind of worried about that. But, um, you know, they have uh, – they have a kid, and, and, and here's a story that I, that we didn't get to because it was kind of our off season, and we were we were kind of in a hiatus with our podcast. So this is kind of a whole separate issue. But uh, the, the kid that is likely going to be the favorite to start is going to actually be a kid who should be a senior in high school this year, but decided to forego his entire senior year, graduate early, and now he is uh, he is up in Columbia. His name is Jake Bentley. He's the son of South Carolina running backs coach Bobby Bentley. Um, so he's a coach's son. Um, and then, uh, like I said, he graduated at the end of his junior year. I guess he hammered uh, summer school and, and really just decided he was going to come up. But, you know, aside from that, I mean, he's a four-star kid, but, you know, he'll be turning 18, and he's still extremely young. And then to, to play in a conference like the SEC at that age is going to be a very, very tough thing to do. And then, of course, defensively, my goodness, I mean, they just, they just don't have anything. You know, they're just it, – it's it's really, you know, Sky Moore, you know, he's going to be – he's a leading tackler each of the last three seasons, but – and he, he's probably going to be one of the conference's top defenders, but you can't be one of ten. Um, and, and, of course, they have no depth because they haven't really recruited well, and, and, and uh, teams are going to be licking their chops in the run game. I think a lot of, a lot of run stats are going are to get padded when they play South Carolina because defensive line issues are – even worse than they were, and they've been issues for a while now. But, um, you know, they were, let's see, they were 99th in the country in sacks, 102nd in tackles for a loss. So, Jadavian Clowney ain't walking through that door. He ain't walking through the door, no. Um, and, and neither, well, that's really all they had on the defensive line. Robert Gathers, maybe? Um, no, Clifton Gathers. Robert Gathers was uh, Georgia. Uh, Clifton Gathers isn't walking through that door either. And uh, oh, they, 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 they had Melvin Ingram, too. Oh, that guy. Yes. Yeah. He's not walking through the door either. Nope. He's not really walking through the door of any football facility recently. So. <laughs> nope. Um, so that, that tells you about where he was. That's probably why I forgot about him. Well, Josh, you and I both had uh, had, the, had the game cops coming in dead last. And so what, what was your reasoning behind that? I think Coach did a really good job talking about their lack of talent and just how – uh, you know, for whatever reason, Steve Spurrier just wasn't cutting it on the recruiting trail. and He got lazy. With, yeah, I mean, with his football IQ, Gamecocks could remain competitive towards the end of his tenure, but then as you saw last season, they just fell out. Um, but my, you know, my biggest problem is we didn't like their hire, and I've been one of the more vocal critics of Will Muschamp. I don't think he's a good coach. He knows defense like mad, but you look at his tenure at Florida – you take out that 2012 season where it all clicked. They all managed to stay healthy. Well, well, everything, everything, Josh, everything circu- uh, circulated around that defense that season. I mean, it's not yeah. like their offense was their offense was benefiting from great field position, turnovers, help on with defensive touchdowns, yeah. and things like that. But I mean, he's 28 and 21, 17 and 15 at Florida with the, that recruiting pool. You take out the one magical season where they overachieved, and he's not above 500 for his career or in the SEC. 
So I don't think South Carolina is replacing their coach with someone who can cut it. I will say this for the Gamecocks, though. Uh, look at their schedule. This is one of the easiest in the league. They avoid both LSU and Alabama. Their one difficult crossover game is Texas A&M, who they host. Maybe, maybe they take advantage of a soft schedule and sneak into a bowl game at 6-6, six and six, but I don't see them being competitive consistently enough. You know, I don't see it either, and especially because one of the guys you mentioned, Coach, Sky Moore, he was actually, he's actually been ruled out for the season because of injury, too. So they're going to be down him as well. So I just – I don't think that they've got the talent. And for someone who's supposed to be a defensive guru, if you watched Auburn's defense at all last year where Muschamp was a coordinator, it was not pretty. So They were just all over the place. I mean, it's just kind of his personality. You know, he's, you know I, I think that, you know – not enough is said about teams mirroring the coach's personality. And I, I think that's kind of what you saw with Auburn's defense. I mean, they, you know, they were peaks and valleys. There was no consistency with that group. They were either, they were either completely on fire or they were, or they were completely off and, and getting torched at every, every turn. So, you know, there was no consistency and you never knew which one was going to show up at any given moment. I mean, they could, they could go three and a half quarters shutting out a team and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they get one pitched over their head. Next thing you know, the you know next thing you know, the opposition scores twenty eight unanswered in the fourth quarter, and you're left scratching your head, going, "What the heck just happened?" Yeah, definitely. Well, so we, we all think they're going to do uh, pretty rough this year. Um, Second from the bottom, um, we have the Wildcats of the University of Kentucky. Um, they, you know. They've had some recent success on the recruiting trail, not going to lie, especially considering the lack of history that program has. But um, they are still a very young team. So, Coach, what do you, uh, you know, what can we expect here um, from uh, Kentucky and, uh, you know, and their new quarterback, Drew Barker? Well, I'll tell you what, they're in a tough spot right now because they're trying to figure out if Mark Stoops, if they're going to put him on the hot seat or, you know, and we, I think, I think we either planned on talking about it or it may not have made the cut when we decided to uh, do the coach's hot seat show, but um, he's in a tough spot because I do think they'll compete. And I do think that under him, they, you know, they do play at a higher level than they probably should or probably could given what their talent is compared to, to their opponents. But uh, you know, I, I like Drew Barker a lot. Um, you know, I, I think they return the most starters on offense. Um, Drew Barker's going to be there. He's going to be the beneficiary of yeah, it. They've got, they, they've got nine starters coming back. So, but uh, again, most of them are very young. Yes. And, 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 but the, the benefit of that is you're not going to really see the youth because, well, you may see the youth, but they're getting a new – they have two new coordinators. Uh, their co-coordinators, Eddie Grant and Darren Henshaw from Cincinnati. Um, they're coming in. So everyone's kind of back on that even playing field right now. So I don't know that there's going to be – you know, I, I don't know what to expect. You know, you looked at Cincinnati's offense, and I don't know what to really – what to really make of it. So. Well, you know, Cincinnati has been um, not quite an air raid offense, but they have they've really you know spread them out uh, and uh, chucked the ball all around the field. But actually, I want to toss this question to you, Josh. Kentucky hired new co-offensive coordinators, and this is something that I don't think has 
very often succeeded at the highest levels of collegiate football before having co-offensive coordinators, neither of which is the head coach. What are your thoughts on that, Josh? Well, they say it's a copycat sport, and there's about 130 teams in college football, Mm -hmm. and I believe this is the only one that has co-coordinators. So that tells you where I think we feel about this experiment. All right. Do you have a, well, what, what do you expect, expect from Kentucky this year, Josh? We guess touched on some of their, their question marks surrounding if these young, skillful players can pan out. It's a little reminiscent of Maryland, where they had a lot of youth and a lot of potential. That's kind of what I think about Kentucky. Uh, they were two and six last year in the league. And the big reason was they just couldn't come up with scoring. Their defense played pretty well and held some teams in the 20s. They'd just be stuck at like 17, 14, things like that. And look at their schedule. They have at Alabama, at Tennessee, who the three of us are very, very high on. But they also have Vanderbilt and Missouri, who that doesn't sound too scary, but these are two teams that they might not score much, but you can be damn sure their defenses are fantastic. If Kentucky can't get by Commodores or the Tigers, they're in for a really long season. Definitely, yeah. Our, um, uh, so, you know, again, uh, one thing I'm actually looking forward to, or I guess I should say the unit I'm looking forward to on this team is their secondary. Um, they're bringing back pretty much everyone from last year's team, and they've got a couple really good corners, including uh, last year's, uh, you know, all, all SEC all freshman uh, corner Chris Westry. Um, he, you know, he, he's a guy who just, you know, he can take a uh, team's number one receiver and track him all over the field. Real good athlete, really fluid in the hips. A uh, guy I really like to watch. So, um, I mean, defense is going to be young, but they got a, you know a lot of guys back. A couple transfers in, including Courtney Love from Nebraska and De Niro Laster from Minnesota. So, um, you know, I'm I, I think their defense, like Missouri, like Vanderbilt, that we'll talk about, is definitely going to be something to watch, but the offense with their co-coordinators, jury's still out on that one. So, um, well, let's keep it moving along here um, in the East uh, to uh, the coach's hometown team, the Commodores of Vanderbilt, uh, and they are heading into uh, Derek Mason's third season at the helm of, uh, or I should say, as the the captain. Um, And they unfortunately also bring back Offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig. Um, <laughs> I've made my feelings about Andy Ludwig very clear on the podcast, so we don't need to go back into that. But um, one thing that I'm, you know, really looking forward to with this team is their defense. Um, you know, and I think you know, Coach, you've uh, sort of echoed that same that same sentiment. Yeah, I mean, they were a top thirty defense last year when Derek Mason took it over, and uh, you know, it, it, and it's a very promising team because they've kind of backfilled. Especially, uh, I, I caught a couple of practices during the spring, and they had an early enrollee who I think is going to get some significant playing time. His name is Jawan Williams. I think he, you know, he did uh, he turned some heads, and he actually took his senior year off because he tried to transfer schools, and he was ruled ineligible, and there was a whole mess surrounding his senior year. So he actually didn't play an entire year of football uh, coming, you know, coming out of high school. So. And then he enrolled early, went through practice sessions, and, and he really turned some heads there at Vanderbilt. So it's going to be exciting to watch. I mean, the offense, though, uh, yeah, it's going to be – I don't know. I don't know. And, I, and I'm hoping – because I like Derek Mason. I like what he does. I like what he's done with the defense. It's just can he 
rally the troops? Can they compete? And can they, you know, and it's not going to be, you know, we could sit here and break down all their players and say, oh, this is who they have here. This is who they have there. But it's not really going to matter. It's going to matter of how they can gel, how they can compete together as a unit. And can Derek Mason, can he rally the troops? And can he get things going on the same page? If he can, then they're going to be successful and he's going to stick around. But one thing I question is, what are Vandy's expectations of him? I mean, does he, you know, if he doesn't make a bowl again, is he gone? I mean, when he took over, he he inherited quite a mess. So you got to take that into consideration. He's it, this is still a, a relatively young team, so you know you got you got to take all those factors into consideration when you judge Vanderbilt and decide, you know, what oh, are they going to provide you this year. Um, and, you know, what, what are our expectations? And then go from there. Uh, well, I'll put some expectations on them. We've talked about the defense. Zach Cunningham, incredible linebacker. Mm-hmm. Kyle Schirmer took his licks last year as a freshman quarterback. But when you throw someone out there in the fire, you expect them to improve. Their top four receivers are back, including C.J. Duncan, who missed wide stretches last year. I think he might have missed the entire year, actually. Uh, with a leg injury, and their O-line, as porous as it was at times last year, still produced a 1,000-yard back with Ralph Webb. I think big pieces are there for improved offense. And then I was looking at their schedule. They should be able to win their three non-conference games. At Western Kentucky is not a cakewalk, but WKU had some roster turnovers, so I think they should be able to avoid calamity there. And then in conference – We just talked about how bad South Carolina is. We talked about all the concerns we have with Kentucky. We have concerns with Missouri that we'll get to. So there's three toss-up games. They host Florida, who has some issues at quarterback that we'll be getting to. So I'm not going to say that's a toss-up game, but they might be able to stun Florida. And then they are at Auburn, who none of us think is going to be very competitive in the West. So there's – there's some opportunity for them to find three conference wins. It's not the hardest schedule in the world. I think Vandy can make a bowl game. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you, Josh. Uh, you know, I, you know, I love, uh, I, I love Cunningham. I think Zach Cunningham is, uh, I'll talk about him a little bit more later once we get to our superlatives for the conference, hint, hint. But um, I think that this is definitely a team on the rise. I am a, a a very big fan, and I think that their defense should make even more strides this year, and hopefully, you know, the offense will come along. And, uh, you know, Josh, I'm with you. I think they'll make their first bowl game since uh, 2013. All so, right. uh, continuing, continuing on to uh, right in the middle of the pack for the SEC East, we've got the, uh, the Mizzou Tigers. And for the first time in a long time, Gary Pinkle is not at the helm. Um, so, uh, coach, uh, take us through all the, all the happenings, uh, out there in Missouri. Well, uh, it's been a very, very strange off season for them. I, I think it's, I, I don't know if, if they could have made a better hire. I'm still trying to figure that one out as my often as my, uh, computer being really slow on me right now. Are, are y'all getting me? Okay. Yeah, um, Okay. I didn't know if I was cutting out or not. Um, but, uh, you know, they, uh, they just – they were offensively, they were, they were horrendous last year. Um, it just seemed like there was lack – there was no energy. There was nothing. 
Um, but, uh, you know, they have Drew Locke as a freshman. You know, as, as we said with, uh, with Kyle Shermer, it's a struggle. Um, they hired Josh Heifel to take over, who was very underwhelming at, at Oklahoma, so I kind of question that a little bit. I kind of question as far as they – you know, they have a chance to, to compete really well, and then they also have a chance to finish that last. I don't think there's going to be really any – I don't think they're going to be decent. I think they're going to be really good, better than expected, or really, really bad. Um, but uh, it, it's just – you look at them, and, and it's really just, you know – you don't know, you know, you don't know. And, and, uh, uh, you know, coach Odom has taken over, um, and they just really been quiet through this off season. And they're, they're one of those teams that you can't really read. Um, you know, they, again, they were, uh, you know, the offense was bottomed out. Um, they went through some, some turmoil at the university itself, uh, which was a, which was a much unwanted distraction. Um, but the thing they can look forward to, guys, is, is defense. You know, they, they play incredibly well. They don't get much help from their offense, but, um, you know, they, they've got weapons. They've got ends Charles Harris and Walter Brady. They have tackles Josh Augusta, Ricky Hatley, Terry Beckner Jr. Um, those guys are just front-line guys. I mean, I'm, I'm not even getting into the defensive backs yet. Haven't gotten to the linebackers yet. I mean, those guys are up front. Cornerback, Arian Penn, safety Anthony Sherrills were, were both uh, – they had eight-and-a-half tackles for loss apiece, 14 pass breakups and two forced fumbles. Uh, you know, Barry Odom's got quite a, a, a good loaded-up defense. So, you can look at that and hang your hat on the fact that your defense is going to be, you know, what you expect out of an SEC defense. Now, they're, now as soon as their offense catches up, they're very much like Vandy. If their offense catches up, they're going to be hell. And mm-hmm. uh, they're going to compete – and win a few games that they shouldn't. But yeah. if their I, offense I, continues to lay an egg, then I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm i nervous about the hire of Josh Heifel because I, 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 I don't think that was a very overwhelming hire. I don't think that, that was like a, one of those hires where everyone's like jumping up and down and, you know, laughing at Oklahoma fans and stuff like that. And I think Oklahoma fans are actually doing the point and laughing. Like, ha ha, you got Josh Heifel. Thank you. You know, because um, I know Oklahoma fans, and I know a few of them personally, that, that just hated Josh Heupel and would just wish that he would, you know, go ahead and, and, and leave the program. So, uh, yeah, that, you know, that makes me nervous. Yeah, you know, I, I'm excited to see uh, Terry Beckman Jr. get some more get some more snaps this year. Uh, he's, a, he's a beast of a defensive tackle and a guy who's got all the physical tools to dominate. So we'll see how he does. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts here on the, on the Tigers? I guess I'll be in the minority and, and throw Josh Heupel a little bit of love because I know his tenure at Oklahoma ended a little rockily, but, um, you know, he was the quarterback's coach for Sam Bradford when he won his Heisman, and he was offensive coordinator from 2010 till 2015. But here's the problem. When Kevin Wilson took the Indiana job, guess what Stoops did? He announced Heupel and Jay Norville as co-offensive coordinators. So we don't know what the issue with Heupel was. And, um, you know, last year he was out at uh, Utah State, who was all right. You know, they made a bowl game. They had a decent offense. They put up 50 a couple times. So where, you know, Oklahoma fans might be laughing and, and we might not be super impressed by it, 
I'm not ready to give up on Josh Heupel. I think Missouri's offense was so bad a year ago that they'll naturally improve a little bit with experience. And I think Heupel might might inject a little something in there. At the very least, he knows quarterback play. And that's that's been Missouri's problem the last few years between youth backing up Matty Mock and Mock just not being able to stay on the field due to some knuckleheadedness. So I, I think Missouri can dig a little bit of a step forward offensively and with that defense that's going to be enough to to get them to a bowl game I don't think we'll see another one of their crazy miracle runs to the the SEC title game like they had a few years ago but I do think they'll be more competitive definitely I mean that was just defense playing above their head and providing opportunities for for an offense that was actually talent wise not as good but they were just happened to click all right Well, let's move to our consensus number three, uh, which is the University of Florida. And um, the Gators this year um, uh, should be, um, you know, uh, should be improved from last year, but they obviously have a giant mess at quarterback. Jim McElwain, though, for a season 10-4, and four, um, uh, won the SEC title. So, you know, they've got something going there. Um, so, Coach, I know, I know you hate them, but uh, let's uh, – Tell me something about the Gators. What's happened there behind center? Well, um, I, I think they've been pleased with uh, with transfer Luke Del Rio. Um, they've, you know, I, I watched a little bit of their spring game actually. Uh, that's uh, that's Jack Del Rio's kid, right? Yes, yes, it is uh, Jack Del Rio's son. Um, I think he was originally started started out at Oklahoma State, and then went uh, JUCO and then transferred in. So. Um, you know, Will Greer uh, was suspended second half of last year. Um, but I, I think all, all things coming out of the spring, Luke Del Rio is, is, is looking like he's going to be the guy. Uh, they, they, they were really pleased at what he was doing, uh, how he was throwing the ball. And I thought he looked comfortable in that offense, and it looked like it didn't take him that long to, to get comfortable. And, you think he's going to get pushed at all by a former Purdue great Austin Appleby? <laughs> well, it, it, uh, it's that, an indication of what – <laughs> well, since you prefaced it with Purdue, then probably no. Um, yeah, um, yeah, Austin Appleby. It, it's really just not. It's really not much of a competition here. Luke Del Rio is going to be the guy, but um, you know, it's just you know they, they they still have a lack of depth, and and I don't know if they, uh, you know, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I don't know that they've recruited all that well. Um, they have. Uh, especially up front, you know, they, they, they didn't have a whole lot of depth. You know, their left tackle, David Sharp, is a veteran of the group. They have a uh, young guy, Martez Ivy. Um, he was the number one offensive line recruit in 2015, so that is good for them. Um, you know, Kelvin Taylor, you know, somebody's got to take over for him. I know yeah. he's gone. Somebody's got to take over for him now. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're looking at that. They're thinking Jordan Scarlett's going to be the guy. Uh, there's also a JUCO transfer, Mark Thompson, that could also step in and, and, and uh, share the load. But I think a combination of Thompson and Scarlett are going to be somebody that can hopefully um, hopefully follow in Kelvin Taylor's footsteps. Yeah, uh, and you know, then, of you course, know, whoever, you know, whoever they're, they're going to need their, their running game to take a lot of pressure off of Del Rio, obviously, because it will be you know, his first – first year as uh as a starter in a big time program so josh what are you what are you you looking at in in terms of the gators this year well you guys can sugarcoat that turd all you want but the only reason i picked florida ahead of the teams that we've just talked about in the east is they're more talented 
purely based on recruiting. Her quarterback situation is an absolute mess. And here's Del Rio's uh, career. He was the uh, number one, number two prospect in Colorado and number 27 nas- nationally. So you'd think, okay, he's doing pretty good. Well, for whatever reason, a little bit of an ego trip, walks on to Alabama, never plays. Since he never plays, but he's like, hey, I'm top 30 recruit. I got to go somewhere. Transfers to Oregon State. Does not even win the starting job at a team that was an unmitigated disaster a year ago, or in 2014. So then he's like, all right, well, I'm hot shit. I'm going to transfer again. He's on his third team has barely played. I think he's got an ego on him. We've seen kids that bounce around, bounce around, and never pan out. I kind of expect Del Rio to be one of those. Their quarterback situation is a hot mess. And then you throw in this absurd schedule at Tennessee and then crossover games with LSU and at Arkansas, obviously the cocktail party. It's a tough schedule. And finally, you guys can say McElwain won 10 games a year ago, but let's be honest, this is a guy with a hot personality yelling at kids on the sideline. You really don't see too many coaches stick around with that personality anymore other than Nick Saban, who's a product of a previous era of football. The only other coach that I can think of that's that demonstrative and that much of an asshole to his players is Will Muschamp, who's already on a second job. Yeah, it's going to be um, – it, it's definitely going to be uh, interesting to see how this team continues to adapt to um, – continue to adapt to McIlwain, his personality and stuff like that. Obviously, this team's got some talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Cornerback Jalen Tabor is a guy to really watch, um, as well as a linebacker, Gerard Davis. Uh, They've got, you know, they've got a lot of players back there. Um, You know, their D-line always seems to be loaded with, you know, NFL-type prospects. Um, They've got Brian Cox's kid, uh, uh, playing on that D line. Does he have a big? Uh, does he have a big neck pad? Neck roll? Neck roll, obviously. Like, no, I, I thought he, I thought he had. Uh, I thought he had like the big like neck backboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah the big square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the big That's what they need. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. thing you get when uh, when you uh, go to the hospital and they have to like brace your neck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, as someone who had neck surgery this year, I, I had pretty much the exact same thing. So, oh yeah, you would know something. You would know a little something about that. I would. I would. Well, uh, let's keep moving on up. Um, and the east side. Um, yep, to that Elux Palace in the sky. And you know, most national outlets have this team uh, running away with the SEC East, but we actually have them number two, and that is the Volunteers of the University of Tennessee. So, Josh, you picked them to win the division. So, I want to start with you here. What do you see in why, – why do you think Tennessee is going to win, win, the, win the conference or win the East this year? Well, I think they're just more experienced than Georgia. Um, to me, Georgia with a new coach and a new quarterback, as talented as they are, we saw that not necessarily click for Michigan a year ago. And Tennessee just returns so, so much talent. Jalen Hurd, Joshua Dobbs – their running back and quarterback. They hired Bob Shoup, who orchestrated a fantastic defense at Penn State a year ago. Tennessee's defense wasn't even much of an issue. I mean, they were pretty solid. They got richer with a better coordinator. Um, they Their toughest game is Alabama, but they host them. 
And I really like their end final three games, Kentucky, Missouri, at Vanderbilt. That's a really soft way to end your conference slate. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give Georgia has the easier schedule. It doesn't have Alabama. But just the experience Tennessee brings outside of that Bama game, their schedule is pretty comparable to Georgia. It's It really is like flipping a coin. And it wouldn't even surprise me if Tennessee won that game but had more conference losses or Tennessee and Georgia end with the exact same record in league, but Tennessee has the tiebreaker. Like, it, they're 1A and 1B. It's really not – it's splitting hairs at this point with these two teams. Well, here, here's my rationale as to why I didn't pick them. Because they are, you know, all that stuff, Josh, you just said, with all the talent they return with hiring Bob Shoup and the experience that they have and the near misses that they've had, they still, for whatever reason, and it's like, and it's like this down at Texas with Oklahoma, they can't get past Florida. It don't matter how bad Florida is. They did Texas beat Oklahoma a year ago? <laughs> yeah, they did, but they usually it, – it's like the first time in nine years. Uh, but they, they can't seem to get over that Florida hump. And uh, and it just – it always – and it's always a fourth quarter, late fourth quarter thing that they're in the game, they're winning the game the whole way. Like last year, they, they had them beat. They had them beat. All they have to do, stop them on fourth and 20. They had them beat. They give up a bomb on fourth and 20, and they lose the game down in the swamp. But, um, you know, if they can beat Florida, I think that they're going to have a lot of confidence, um, and it's going to come down. It's going to really come down to that matchup in Athens where they haven't particularly competed well, but they haven't fared well in Athens. So that's kind of the thing that, that I lean on because both teams are going to have one conference loss at least. You know, I think Georgia's going to slip up somewhere. Um, against the West opponent, I think Tennessee is going to lose to Alabama. So it's really just going to come down to the tiebreaker, you know, and it, it's a 1A, 1B type deal. And whoever wins that game in Athens, I think, is going to be your division champ because I think they're going to have identical records. And I think that, you know, Georgia's going to probably slip up against an old Miss or slip up against somebody that they shouldn't, um, but they'll have the same conference record and, and Georgia will get by on the, on the tiebreaker. Yeah, it's funny being a being a Big Ten guy. I always kind of make parallels with teams, and Tennessee really, really reminds me of Michigan State a few years ago. They kept having really, really impressive records, but never broke through. And everyone kind of said the same thing. They're like, "Well, you know, it's Michigan State. Can't get over. They can't get over the Ohio State bump. Oh, you know, they they can't can't get over. You know." You can't get out of their own way. And when it finally clicked, they won the Rose Bowl. They won the Rose Bowl. And Tennessee has that ceiling where if it does click, they can they can beat anybody if it's all there this year. Yeah, yeah we, they, they really could. It's going to be, like I said, it's going to come down to that one game against Georgia. You know, two things, two, two quick things from me on Tennessee. First of all, a guy I'm really excited about on this team is their mammoth new defensive tackle, Khalil McKenzie. He is a absolutely mountain of a man, 6'3", 345. Um, uh, and his, his daddy is Reggie McKenzie, longtime NFL player, 
Uh, he's a coach on the Raiders, I believe, right now. And then, you know, Josh, I was talking about being sound in uh, on special teams in the return game, and they've got two of the best. Ooh, special teams. No, oh, their, their special teams are great. Evan Berry and Cameron Sutton are two of the best returners in the country. Um, Evan Berry uh, is a a great kickoff returner and Cameron Sutton is one of the best punt returners we've seen in a long time. So, um, you know, if it comes down to that, you know, real close games, you always got to look at special teams and, you know, either one of those guys can break it anytime they get their hands on the ball. So one one last thing I want to say about Tennessee and one of the other reasons why I picked them is we've highlighted a lot of quarterback questions already with just one division and we'll be doing the same thing in the next division. This is not a league with a lot of returning talent at quarterback. Tennessee is one of the few teams that does. But then on the other side of the ball, Bob Shoot finds ways to pressure the quarterback. And let's not forget one of his players last year, Ryan Nassib, led the, league, led the entire nation in sacks. So Tennessee's going to be tossing around quarterbacks. And if you have a freshman quarterback like certain teams, that could be an issue. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, um, then we've got, uh, obviously, by process of elimination, the Bulldogs. That's what we call teasing the last team we're talking about for this segment. Yeah. Well, uh, we, 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 we got them dogs. And them dogs. In the East. So, Coach, uh, we're going to feed the floor to you and to talk about your alma mater and your new shiny toy, Jacob Eason. All right. Well, um, let's start with uh, – we, we, we talked about Kirby Smart a lot when we went over the – the coaching chain circuit. So I won't really get into that very much because um, we know what he brings to the table. Um, th- some things you've seen uh, in, the sp- in the springtime, you know, listening to people's feedback and, and, and just kind of watching videos that, that I, that I watch because, you know, let's face it, I'm a, I'm a football nerd, especially a UGA football nerd. So, um, you know, you, you like the energy, you like the passion that he brings. Uh, he's got four national championships. So, you know, he knows what he's doing. So, um, and it uh, looks like he's going to have the number one class in the country for next year. So recruiting um, is not going to be an issue any longer. So, um, But we look at the uh, the glaring vacancy. Um, you do have returning starter Grayson Lambert coming back, but he's not really going to be the starter. And <laughs> it's, it's definitely the worst-kept secret in the world of college football because – you know, everyone's like, oh, is it going to be Eason? Is it going to be Ramsey? Is it going to be Lambert? It's it's Eason. It's got to be Eason. I mean, you know, they, they brought him in. They, they they brought him in in the spring. They showcased him. It, it's got to be him because you know what Lambert can get you. He, Lambert gets you a very unimpressive, and this is weird to say, but a very unimpressive 10-2 record. You know, a lot of those games were inferior opponents, and, and a lot of that stuff was won. On, in the run game with, you know, Nick Chubb early in the year and uh, Sonny Michelle carrying the load um, the latter half of the year. Uh, you had Malcolm Mitchell as a weapon. He's gone. He's gone to the Patriots. So offensive talent, uh, st- people that, like, really produced, it's a lot of unproven guys, you know, especially at the wide receiver position. Uh, you, you know, you get Terry Goodwin back. Isaiah McKenzie is another dynamic option in, in special teams as well. Um, but uh, it's just it's a it's a question mark on that side of the ball. And they hired uh, Jim Cheney as the offensive coordinator. Um, you've got four All-American type tight ends that he plans on utilizing. So as far as what we've got at the tight end position, Jim Cheney was the perfect hire. 
um, because if you if you really study what Jim Chaney does, he really does like to use the tight end. Um, so, again, Sony Michelle breaks his arm on the 4th of July. Uh, Nick Chubb, you don't know what he's going to bring to the table after coming off knee surgery. Um, so you're left with freshman Elijah Holyfield. Um, a Vander's kid. Yeah, a Vander's kid. And, and he might he might actually get your get the nod on on, uh, on day one against the Tar Heels in the Georgia. I hear, so, he, I hear he really has a coach's ear. <laughs> oh man well yes oh, that's man. josh cook ladies and gentlemen he'll be here all night long yeah. um, and of um, course uh offensive line about, too hey, tell me a little about trenton thompson oh man uh, i saw him at the army bowl uh when he was when he was a senior and uh, i mean the guy the guy is about as stud of a defensive tackle as you can get he's going to be uh you know he, he was he started off a little slow but and I don't know if it was scheme wise, if he was, if he just had trouble uh, meshing into college. But you know, he's only he's going to be a sophomore next year, and uh, he was extremely talented. You know, he, he's a guy that could play the one technique or the three technique. He can get after the passer. He can stop the run. I mean, he's one of those all around great defensive tackles that you like to see. Um, could be an NFL type talent. Um, certainly needs to play to that this year. He was. Uh, he was inexperienced, and it showed last year. He was kind of up and down, which was uh, which was kind of surprising because of how well he played in the Army Bowl against elite talent, and how well he played throughout the course of his high school career. So, um, he, he's a guy that a lot of people were scratching their heads as to why he didn't perform as, as well as he could. But again, uh, he has the type of talent that that could lead him that could lead to him playing on Sundays. But he certainly got to show it. All right. Uh, Josh, you got anything to add to that? Uh, just kind of reiterating what I said about how Georgia kind of reminds me of Michigan where they got a really, really good coach, and Harbaugh even was better because Harbaugh was in the NFL and, and had good coach experience. And they also have a new quarterback. But Michigan was also a little better there because Jake Rudock was a Big Ten starter. And you saw Michigan have times last year where just – not everyone was on the same page. It, it bit them in the Utah game. The special teams gaffe obviously bit them in the, the Michigan State game. And then when Rudot got hurt, um, they got killed by Ohio State. And it, it wasn't really losses based on talent. It was just losses based on new personnel on the field and new personnel with headsets. And – Georgia's ceiling is super duper high. No one's discounting that. It's just when when you have all those new moving new pieces, sometimes there's a little bit of a learning curve. And getting Tennessee in the first half of the season, as well as a difficult road trip to Ole Miss in the opening half of the season, gives me a little bit of concern. And like I said, Georgia and Alabama flip a coin, or Georgia and Tennessee flip a coin, one of them is winning the division. They're head and shoulders above everyone else. I would just rather go with a little bit more proven commodity in Tennessee. You know, here's the scary part with, with Georgia is that they, they're widely inexperienced, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They have a lot of unproven talent. I, I'll say talent because there are some talented guys on this team. But, again, we don't know what they have. And, and, the, and the scary part about it is, is there is no Ohio State in this division to where you're looking at like, Hey, you know, that's the, that's the measuring stick right there. That's what they're going to be go up against. Okay. Well, 
you know, they're going to finish second in the division. That's okay. They'll compete, whatever. They'll go to a good bowl game. Yada, yada, yada. We'll all be happy. There's not that in, in the SEC East. The East is widely mediocre. I mean, Tennessee hasn't proven that they can win when everything, when they need to. Um, and uh, this will be their year. And, and I think that this will have to be their year because I think it gets pretty lean for them uh, if they don't. But, uh, you know, Georgia's got help coming uh, with with one of the best recruiting classes, I think, ever in school history. So, um, you know, they've got help coming along. So if they can just patchwork and, and somehow win the East um, with with uh, paper clips, duct tape, and glue, um, you know, maybe they can uh, piece together and win some ugly games and, and move on. You know, this is going to be a team that's just going to have to find a way, you know, win that 10-9 to ball game, win that 24-21 game where, where they're down two scores in the fourth quarter and have to come back. You know, they're going to have to win some of those type games. And I think they can with, with some of the veteran talent they have if they use it properly. So, you know, it, again, this could this could all fall apart. They go seven seven and five this year. Also, I mean, I you know that wouldn't surprise me. But being in the, being in the East as mediocre as it is, and with as many bottom feeders as there is this year, I don't I don't think that's possible. But you know, if Nick Chubb comes back, and if he comes back soon, and he is anything like what he was before he got before his knee got blown out, then then they're going to be okay. They're going to lean on him, and they're just going to they're just going to do it. And uh, they're going to lean on him. They're going to lean on that tight end core um, to uh, to really get their offense going. All right, that wraps up our SEC East preview for 2016. Be sure to catch uh, part two of this episode, our SEC West, in final preview for the SEC uh, on the next episode of Illegal Motion. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.